Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality with an emphasis on BDSM, kink, and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week I've got a bit of a Q&A, and I'm also going to talk about breaking up, the end of relationships. I spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about how to have successful relationships. And based on a question I had recently, I wanted to talk about how to get through a breakup as best you can with a bit of grace and some dignity and closing that relationship and moving forward. Because a lot of times relationships end no matter how good they were or how long we wanted them to last. That's just how it goes sometimes. Before we get started, I want to send a very special thank you to our newest Patreons. That is Friar Trojan, Sean, Jane, Jay Paladin, and Deborah. If I have missed you for some reason, if you have become a member recently and you haven't heard your name called out, please get in touch with me. I do send out a welcome message, but I don't think Patreon is very good about notifying you when I send messages or that kind of thing. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon head over to our website at wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our links there, our socials. The podcast is hosted there, as well as our adult sites, if that's something you're interested in. On the Patreon, I tend to give weekly updates, some behind-the-scenes information, things that are going on with me in the studio and some of the models. We're also going to start doing some movie reviews, usually kink-based movies or maybe poly-based movies. There's plenty of relationship-only podcasts that cover the rest of that. Again, a very heartfelt thank you to my Patreons. I appreciate you guys immensely, and I could not do the show without you. So, I know I've been gone for quite a while. I expected to have a small break. I didn't think that break was going to extend quite as long as it did. And I was a bit embarrassed when I made the slate for this podcast at just how long it's been since I had an episode out. For you guys that stick with me, I really appreciate it. Remember, it's a one-man shop, and if I've got stuff going on in my life, sometimes it's very difficult to get down here and record. This is something that I enjoy doing, and often those things get pushed to the back burner first when your life gets turned upside down a little bit. However, I'm here, I'm back, and I'm excited to talk to you guys on what is, I know, a very difficult subject, but I hope it's something that will be helpful to you if you ever have to go through a breakup or if you're still dealing with breakups you've already gone through. It seems like inevitably at some point in our life we have to deal with this kind of thing. I'm gonna break this conversation into three parts. Today I'm gonna talk about just your general vanilla relationship breakup. I believe that DS and BDSM relationships, when you have a dom and a sub, that's kind of a special case scenario when it comes to breakups. And I'm gonna cover that separately. And I also wanna talk about breaking up in a poly setting because that tends to be quite different than your average breakup. The overlap in relationships tends to change the way we go through those breakups and how we deal with them. So that's gonna be its own podcast. I might bring Katya on for that as well. With any luck, I'll bring Katya on for the BDSM podcast too. She's very busy, I'm very busy, and it can be difficult to get our schedules to align. We do the best we can. So since it has been quite a bit of time since I've been on, I have kind of a stockpile of questions and I wanted to hit some of those before we get into the subject this week. Someone wrote in recently and asked me if I considered myself a leather man. And I don't. I have a lot of affinity for that, that scene. I like the aesthetic of the leather scene. I've never been part of the leather scene. I don't own a lot of leather outside of my motorcycle gear. But I find it very appealing. And I would like to incorporate more of that into my BDSM and kink wear and attire. I don't play out that frequently. But I think that the leather look 
has a certain appeal to me. I like it quite a bit. But no, I don't consider myself a leather man. I've never been part of that scene. On the other hand, Katya is definitely a leather woman. She was a leather title holder, and that's something that she enjoys, both leather and latex, that kind of high end of kink fashion. She really enjoys that, and that's something that we would like to get back into. So we might attend something like Claw or ILM or some other sort of big leather festival in the near future. If you happen to be there, it'd be great to meet up and, and have a little fan gathering. That would be a lot of fun. So no, I don't consider myself a Leatherman personally. I like that aesthetic. And don't be surprised if I kind of veer into that territory. I think it looks pretty cool. And that's something that I would like to embrace and incorporate into my play. I think that would be fun. Another question that came in recently. And this question comes up so frequently that I should make another just kind of stab at explaining what's going on. The question is, you know, when will we see new content? When will you start filming again? And that is something that I would very much like to do. I currently have a very bad hernia, and that hernia prevents me from filming because of where it's located. If you're an adult film actor and you have kind of an unsightly bulge right above your equipment of business, as it were, it can make it difficult to film. Because I'm reliant on the VA for my health care, I have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to get this fixed. It's a fairly minor procedure overall, but it's not something that I can afford to just go do on my own, not in our healthcare system. So I'm working with the VA, or at least I'm trying to work with the VA. I've had no success yet, but hopefully that will be something that's done soon. When I get that surgery, in about six months after that, I should be back in the saddle, as it were, and able to film again. I do want to continue producing videos, and I have a lot of ideas about the direction I want to take the studio and the kind of films we want to make. But yeah, for now, I cannot film new content, and I won't be putting out any new content. However, I have been organizing and getting ready to post a lot of our old content that's been taken down from Pornhub specifically, on XVIDs and XHamster if I can get things worked out with them. The state of the porn industry, the amateur porn industry that I'm in right now, is still in upheaval from the big scandal credit card issue that Pornhub went through. And it's so much more difficult to make a living as a amateur porn performer now than it was just a couple years ago. The things that we have to go through as far as verification and re-verification has been very difficult. And that has certainly put a check on us putting out content because a lot of the content that I already have made is very rough. And the rough content is the first stuff to get taken down whenever there's a question about it. So I'm kind of in a bind. Xvids has been very supportive. So I'm going to put as much on Xvids as I can. Unfortunately, they also have the least return for the creators, but I do need to have that income coming in. I've been really taking some hits lately having Bunny's videos taken down off of Pornhub and X-Hamster, and that has been very difficult to recover from. So I do need to get our old content up. I have a lot of content from Katya and I, Sadie and I. I have a lot of Bunny content that can go on X-Vids. So look for that soon. I'm still in the process of organizing that all, getting it in a situation where I can upload it again. Because foolishly, and this is a bit of a tidbit if you happen to be interested in this career, don't rely on the site hosting your content to be your archive, which I know sounds pretty dumb. However, when we first started, we didn't know anything. And so the first hundred or so videos that we posted, 
I kind of relied on Pornhub to be our archive, and I kept the master files, but I didn't keep the entire edited project. I didn't really know how to do that and save space, and I was always in a space crunch as far as getting videos out. A video file of that length tends to be about 100 gigabytes. That adds up very quickly when it comes to paying for storage. Since then, I've learned a lot, and I've learned how to compress those files and remove the raw data, remove the render files, for example, and turn those into much more easily packageable storage archival material. But I didn't learn that until well after our initial few years in porn. So the stuff that's currently online on Xvids and Xhamster and on Pornhub, etc., that's stuff that I did have archived and was able to put back up. Anything that's not up, it means I need to go back and essentially recreate that video from the original files. In some ways, that's a good thing because it means that I get to go back in with a much better feel for editing and color correction, etc., and make those videos look a lot better than they did three, four, seven years ago. But it's also a lot of work. We're looking at eight or nine hours per video to get them edited down, color corrected, etc., up online with all their metadata on three different sites. So it does take a while. I'm going to shoot for getting one up a week. That's probably the best I can do right now with my current situation. So you can look for old content coming up soon, but you won't see any new content from me for a little bit longer. And that's just the breaks. Sorry about that. I really am. Another question that I get quite a bit is, am I gay or am I looking to perform with gay performers in porn? I'm not gay and I'm not looking to perform with men in a porn situation. I'm definitely an ally. I embrace that lifestyle. I love my gay friends, but I'm not personally gay. So it would be very difficult for me to film in that setting. And I know that because a lot of the stuff that I talked with race about and those issues, there was a bit of confusion. And I understand that I was using an old rhetorical technique, you know, like I'm a hundred year old man and this is how I feel about things. And at one point I was talking about, you know, I'm a trans person and this is how I feel about X. I was trying to place myself in the viewpoint of someone who is trans. I'm not trans, I'm not gay, I'm not bi. And absolutely nothing wrong with that, if that's who you are. I absolutely welcome my gay fans. You know, a lot of the people that I speak with regularly are gay and they like to be very flirty and send pictures. And I'm fine with that. It doesn't in any way upset me to get those pictures. And I enjoy that communication I get back and forth with you. But just, you know, to be very clear, I'm not gay. And that's cool. That's fine. That's who I am. You might be gay. And of course, that's also cool. So just to put that out there and make sure that I wasn't misleading people, I understand that there could have been some confusion based on the conversations I've had recently. It's a shame because I think I could make a lot of money, but uh, I just don't, I don't feel that way. And that's how we're made. I've always stood by the fact that no one chooses to be gay or chooses to be straight. It's just your natural inclination. And I am very comfortable with my natural inclination. I'm also very comfortable with your natural inclination. So my gay fans out there, Keep sending those messages, keep sending pictures. If you want to be flirty, no problem. I am totally cool with that. I do have a bunch of other questions. Some of those I'm going to hit in podcast episodes that they pertain to. For example, one of the questions I got was how to deal with breakups in a poly situation. I will answer that question on the poly breakup episode. And I have other questions along those lines where I have a really good question that someone sent in and it is its own episode. And I don't want to just give a real quick, you know, two minute answer to something that really deserves being dug into and explained more fully. And after all that, now it's time to get into our episode. Dealing with breakups in a vanilla setting, you know, your average breakup, how to navigate that successfully. 
I think the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to breakups is understanding when the relationship is over. I don't want to sound like relationships aren't worth fighting for. Sometimes they take a huge amount of work. You know, a good relationship does take work. No matter how well paired you are with your partner or partners, it takes work. You need to understand. You need to have empathy. You need to have tolerance and forgiveness and grace and all those things that make a successful relationship. And I'm not in any way saying that the first time you get into trouble in a relationship, that's it. It's over. Get out. Hit the ejection seat. I don't feel that way at all. I do have a very let it go mindset. And we'll get into that when it comes to once you have decided that a relationship is untenable, once you have realized that a relationship isn't going to work out, I do believe that the most healthy way to deal with it is to let go and move on. But I don't want you to think that I'm very quick to pull that ejection handle. I do fight for relationships and sometimes I've fought way too long, which is how I've developed my philosophy on when it's time to let go, when it's time to decide this relationship isn't going to work out. And I have talked about this before in the understanding of when are you holding on too hard? When are you refusing to let the relationship end, even though it's clear that your partner wants out of the relationship? And I talked about the idea of, you know, browbeating them and guilting them and shaming them and using a lot of force, not necessarily physical force, that would always be wrong, but force in the way of, I have this legal power over you, or I have this guilt over you, or you owe me this, that type of force. There's a point at which you need to realize that's never healthy and it's not going to save your relationship. So if you guilt somebody and you browbeat them and you really kind of force them to stay in the relationship, they may stay, but what have you gained? You know, you have a hostage at that point. You have someone that you know wants to leave, but you don't want to let them go. And so you're in this space where sometimes because of financial issues or dependency issues, guilt issues, that can hold on to a relationship, but it's not a healthy relationship. So there is definitely a balance in, you know, fighting for a relationship. If you have a problem trying to solve it, if you have an issue between the two of you, seeing if you can find some kind of resolution, if you need to change, if they need to change, sometimes that change is healthy. And that is something that will be good for both of you. But there are times in a relationship where all the change in the world isn't going to save it. It's not going to make it work. And at that point, as hard as it is, you need to realize the relationship is over, how to deal with that, how to let go. And we can be very possessive with the people that we care about. We don't want to lose them. The fear of losing them, the fear of the unknown of what comes next. How am I going to get by without this person in my life who perhaps they've been in my life for five years, for 10 years? What am I going to do? Who am I going to be? Those are very scary questions. And Breakups tend to be very frightening. I think that's one of the many reasons why sometimes people hold on to a bad relationship too long. And there's a lot of factors. You know, maybe there's kids involved. And a lot of relationships have been extended for 18 years or so to make sure the kids grow up and kind of move out and then the parents split. I would advise against that on the whole because those kind of relationships tend to be very unhappy and the kids can feel that. So while I know it's very difficult, sometimes, even if you have small kids, prolonging the relationship just for their sake doesn't necessarily help them. 
and in the relationships I've seen where a couple reached an impasse, they reached a point where they were no longer happy together, and they had kids involved, if they can separate amicably, if they can separate and remain friends, that is a better situation than parents that are always have this kind of static, this uneasy, unloving relationship that I think any kid learns to see through. So I would recommend against sticking it out just for the kids. I believe it's better for them if you are able to part amicably, remain friends, you know, do those co-parenting duties, continue to be active and supportive and helpful in your kids' lives. But kids are very adaptable and they would much rather see you happy than see you together and unhappy. And I know that this is, this is a difficult one. A lot of you are kids of divorced parents. It seems like it's much more common these days to have divorced parents than it is to have parents that were able to stick it out for the long haul. I think that's a reflection of the fact that we're getting a lot better at understanding that relationships don't always last forever. That is something that we need to accept and understand and stop having such an unrealistic expectation of how relationships work. Something I've said before is that you meet somebody at 18, you're not done becoming yourself. You're not done growing. You're not done changing. And you're going to change a lot between 18 and 25, 30, 40. And you'd be very, very lucky if you happen to meet somebody at 18 and you guys grow in the exact same direction. You grow in the same way. You maintain the same interests. You maintain the same personality and kind of a cohesive relationship from being very young all the way into your 40s. That is just very rare. And there's nothing wrong with a 10-year relationship. You know, 18 to 28, and at 28 you realize that you're a different person. Your partner's a different person. And maybe you're no longer compatible. That's just how it goes sometimes. That doesn't mean it's somebody's fault necessarily. And we very much like to find fault in this. One of the things I can tell you about having successful breakups, dealing with relationships ending, is trying to assign the blame is a very unhelpful exercise. In the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if someone changed more than you did or someone took a turn that ruined the relationship. And I put that in quotes because we are who we are. Sometimes we cannot help the directions that our interests go or our personality goes, how we change as we get older. You know, the person that I was at 18, not the person I was at 28 or 38, and I'm different now than I was at 30. And that's just how it goes. My core self, yeah, it's the same person. I haven't radically changed and done a 180, but I've definitely learned and grown and not all the relationships I've had since I was 18 were able to go with that growth. You know, that's just how it is. There's no necessity in finding fault and saying, this person did this and this is why the relationship ended. At the end of the day, that doesn't help. And I would very much suggest not trying to find fault and that it's much better to come to an agreement that, hey, this isn't working. And it doesn't matter why it's not working. You're not happy and I'm not happy. We've tried to work on this. We've tried to communicate the most foundational tool in the relationship toolbox, communication. We've tried to communicate about this problem and it's not getting us anywhere. 
perhaps we've tried therapy and there's nothing wrong with therapy in a relationship. It can be difficult to fix the car while it's going down the road. Sometimes you need to take it to a mechanic and that mechanic can help you get through some problems. So I have no problem with relationship therapy. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's very effective and you end up coming out of couples therapy a much stronger, happier couple than you went into it. And that's awesome. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you realize in therapy that the gulf between you has grown larger than you thought it had. And the therapy allowed you to communicate that between the two of you. Something that often breaks down first is that communication. You feel like you've been telling this person the same thing for years and they don't get it or they don't understand or they're not able to change. And that leads you to stop trying to communicate. When you stop communicating, that gulf gets bigger. So it, it just happens. You don't need to find a fault. You don't need to find a person responsible for the dissolution of a relationship. You're better off not. You're better off doing everything you can to maintain the good parts and the friendship that hopefully was the initial driving force in your relationship. And I'm very happy to say that by and large, I'm still on very good terms with most of the people I've had relationships with. There are a few that we had, you know, very irreconcilable differences and we don't talk anymore, but that's just how it goes. That's going to happen to everybody at some point in your life, I believe. But by and large, I think you can maintain healthy, you know, communicative relationships after a relationship breaks apart. You don't have to take sides and build walls and never talk to that person again. You know, especially if you're in a co-parenting situation and you need to communicate regularly, you know, you need to preserve that good communication and at least a semblance of friendship that you had when you guys first got together. I'm very happy that, you know, Katja and Katja's ex are on very good terms. And I can point to that as kind of a model of how to do co-parenting. There's no friction or tension. There's no problem of us all being together in the same space. You know, we recently celebrated a birthday where we were all there. I was there. Katja was there. Katja's ex was there. The grandparents were there. It was a very fun, supportive, happy time because there was no reason for it not to be. You get past those little uncomfortabilities and you become a grown-up and you say, hey, there's nothing wrong with this. This is comfortable. We're here for the kid. Everybody here can be friends. We can have a good time. And there doesn't need to be any hostility or bad feeling between anybody at this table. That is something that I would very much put forward as the ideal. You know, you have a relationship, that relationship dissolves, you remain cordial and you remain friendly. That is the best possible outcome of a breakup. And as I said, I've had both. I have certainly had relationships where things got really unhappy and really ugly at the end and we ended up parting and never speaking to each other again. That can happen. That's what I try to avoid as much as possible. And again, I'm very happy that that's the minority of the relationships I've had. The full-time partner that I was with before Katja, at some point we realized that we had kind of grown apart and there was no animosity. There was no hard feelings. It was sad because we had a very good relationship, but relationships being what they are, we ended up growing apart and that's fine. We're still on good terms. I would still help her out any way I could. I know she would help me out any way she could. And there's no bad feeling there. You know, we had a good thing. It lasted for a good six years, I believe. And then at some point we realized, hey, you know what? We're not really in a relationship anymore. And you've got your thing, I've got my thing, and we're just going to separate. And we're going to do it as nicely and amicably as we possibly can. That's what I would really hope for 
when you're going through a relationship. However, if that's the situation you have, you don't really need to come here for advice. So when we're looking at a relationship that has gotten to a very unhappy place, where there's hard feelings, where there's a lot of tears and unhappiness, that can be much more difficult. And I certainly understand that. I've been there. I've had those relationships end that way. And again, I want to pull it back to understanding when it's time to let go. Understanding that as hard as you have tried, and you've tried very hard to make this thing work, you've been as accommodating as you can, your partner has tried to be accommodating, but no matter what you guys try, you end up in the same fights, you end up in the same situation, you end up in the same place where you just don't feel the way for them that you used to. That can be really rough. If you turn inward and you look at yourself, there can be a lot of, you know, what did I do wrong? How did we get to this place? How do I not feel the same way that I used to for this person? I used to have such good feelings and love and warmth and affection, and now I don't want to see them. I don't want to be around them. They make me angry all the time. I'm unhappy. That's okay. It really is okay. That is just a natural diminution of that love-feeling response. It happens doesn't always happen. Some relationships last 50 years or 70 years, and that's awesome. That's amazing, and those people are very lucky. But by and large, relationships don't tend to last that long, and that is absolutely okay. One of the things that I want to get out there and kind of dispel is this notion that a good relationship lasts forever. I think that's an unrealistic expectation. And at the same time, you don't need to worry about that during the first week of your relationship. You don't need to worry about, I met this new person and I love being around them. I think they're really sexy and they're fun and I just cannot wait to be in their company. I love being around them. And then that thought pops up, what if this doesn't last for the rest of my life? Right? That's an anxiety. That's a fear. That's a detriment to a relationship because you have no idea when you start a relationship how long it's going to last and it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't focus on that. That should not be the first thing in your mind is, I really want to be with this person and I want to be with this person forever. And if I'm not with this person forever, then we have both failed and it's a terrible thing and it's the worst thing ever. All right, those two things kind of go hand in hand. And so that's never something that I worry about. I don't worry about 10 years down the road. I'm worried about today. I'm worried about next week, maybe. Being with my partner, being a good partner to my partner, I'm not worried about what's coming five years from now because there's no way to know. There's absolutely no way to know. I've been in a lot of relationships. Some of them lasted two decades. Some of them lasted a week. Some of them lasted five years. And I can say that I never knew getting into the relationship how long that relationship was going to last. You just can't tell. And you're wasting your time worrying about it not lasting forever. And you're really hurting yourself if you come to the end of a relationship and you're beating yourself up and your partner up because it didn't last forever. Forever is a long time. Ten years is a long time. And you're robbing yourself of the immediacy and love and excitement and joy of the relationship if you're continually worried about, will this last 50 years? I think that's a mistake that we commonly get into in relationships. 
And that is something that I hear all the time when I talk to people and help them through breakups, etc. And that, you know, I thought this was my forever person. I thought we were going to be together until we were 80. And sure, you know, when you have something good, when you have somebody in your life that makes it more rich and more exciting and more fun and you love spending time with them, of course you want that to go on forever. However, there's not a lot you can do to make it go on forever outside of, you know, communication, being responsive to their needs, helping them out, being supportive of them, all those good foundational relationship things. Of course, yeah, that's going to help make a healthy, happy relationship. However, all the support and all the sacrifices and all the love in the world can't change the course of time. It really can't change whatever is coming down the road. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea what setbacks are going to hit you guys. You know, somebody loses their job and then you find yourself in a much more difficult financial situation. Those stresses lead to bad behaviors, etc. You never know what's coming down the pike. And so, again, as I've always said, be the best partner you can today. Don't worry about what's coming tomorrow because you have no control over that. And that extends to, you know, forever. You don't know in the first year of your relationship if it's going to last forever. You sometimes know if it's not going to last. That, I've definitely been in relationships where I realized pretty early on, this is going to work for a while, but eventually this is going to fall apart. Whether you choose to continue that relationship is up to you, where you're at in your life. I think we do sometimes get a very early sensation that, you know, this is fun, but I don't know if this is lasting. I don't know if this is going to make it a year. You know, depending on where you are in your life, that could be fine. That may not matter. That may not be something that you need to last a year. It may be fun for today. The old joke of, I'm not looking for Mr. Right, I'm looking for Mr. Right now. And that's Sometimes that's fine. Sometimes a relationship is going to have an expiration date. From the very first date, you know, you know, this person's moving to Taiwan next year, and I'm not going to Taiwan, so we're going to hang out for a year, and then we'll see what happens. What happens is we will probably break up, and that's fine. Not all things in life are that cut and dry, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. So again, I'm not a fatalist when it comes to relationships. I know that sometimes you meet somebody and everything works. And as long as life doesn't hand you too many roadblocks, you guys might be together forever. And that is awesome. And I hope that everyone listening to this or seeing this has that kind of relationship. You know, me personally, I've had a lot of relationships. A lot of them I wish had lasted forever, but they didn't. And that's okay. You move past that. You move on. You understand that sometimes things don't work out. And it doesn't have to be somebody's fault. You can find all kinds of reasons why relationships don't work out. So if you find yourself on the receiving side of this, you know, your partner has come to you and said, you know, hey, I care about you, but I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I want to separate. I want to move apart from this relationship. I would still like to be friends, but I would like to move on. I have a different direction that I want to go. Even the thought of that can be very scary for a lot of people. If you're in a relationship, that can be the most dreaded thing you could possibly hear. Once you've received that from your partner, the choice you have is to let go gracefully and be their friend and do everything you can to preserve what's good in that relationship. Or you can really fight and kick and scream and threaten and cajole and try to hold on to that relationship 
knowing that they don't want to be in it anymore, right? And I know that our natural inclination is to hold on to the things that we love, is to hold on to the relationships that we have because not having a relationship or what comes next can be very scary. However, holding on that way, forcing them to stay with you doesn't work. You know, they may stay for a while, but you know they're unhappy. And if you have moved past the point of things you can change, problems you can solve with communication, issues between the two of you that are not resolvable, the idea that you can just work your way through it and stay together and be happy is pretty far-fetched. It's not something that happens in my experience. I've seen relationships prolonged for years past that point, but neither couple was happy. Neither person was happy in that relationship. So understanding that, yeah, I just got the worst possible news that I could get. However, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to do everything I can to be mature and graceful and keep my dignity and move forward. And I would like to move forward in a friendly, amicable way rather than burning bridges and making enemies and putting up walls. And now we're at war with each other. And now we have to divide our friends up. And now we have to really kind of have this scorched earth mentality of if I can't have you, then I'm going to make everything miserable between the two of us and we can never speak again. That's the worst outcome. And I want to do everything I can to help you avoid that. So yeah, if you find yourself on the receiving end, if you find yourself being told that the person that you still want to be with doesn't want to be with you, that can be an incredibly hard pill to swallow, but you do have to swallow it. There's nothing you can really do at that point to prolong that relationship in a happy way. If you find yourself on the other side, if you're the person that wants to get out of the relationship, but you know that your partner does not want to get out of the relationship, they're happy, but you're not, that can be just as difficult. You know, I've certainly been there and it is incredibly hard to tell somebody that you know wants to be with you that you don't want to be with them anymore. That can be excruciating because just not wanting to be with them doesn't mean you don't care about them anymore. It doesn't mean you don't necessarily love them anymore. But there's something about your relationship that isn't working and isn't going to make you happy going forward. And you're aware of that and you've tried to fix it and you've tried to communicate and you've tried to adjust and be, and be accommodating, etc. But you finally come to the realization that this isn't going to work. This is making me unhappy and I know that if I just stay in this relationship, I'm going to become increasingly unhappy. That's going to lead me to no longer care and love and respect and want to be with this person and it's time for me to get out. You know, communicating that to your partner, if they very much want to still be in the relationship, can be very hard. And the best advice I can give is to be as gentle, is to be as accommodating, is to be as respectful to them as you possibly can. You know, pick your time well. Don't just spring it on them out of nowhere. Definitely give them the space that they need to hear what you're trying to say understanding that their reaction may be very emotional, it may be very bad, it may be very difficult for them to hear what you're going to tell them. However, if you do care about them and you do want the best for them and you realize that you are no longer going to be the best for them, you do owe it to them to try and help them through that breakup. You do everything you can. You know, if you guys are married, if there's legal stuff going on, 
you might have to make some big sacrifices to help them move forward. And that's part of the responsibility that you have if you've realized that they want to stay and you want to go. You know, you often have to pay quite a bit of penalty for that. You might have to sacrifice some of your income, et cetera. But if you're the one making the decision, that's your responsibility. You need to do that. If they are financially dependent on you, for example, you may have to make an allotment so that they can continue to live until they can get on their feet, for example. You know, again, this is complicated stuff. It's very difficult. There's a reason there's a multi-billion dollar divorce industry. Couples separating can be excruciatingly difficult for everybody involved. The couples, the kids, the families, the friends. I know how difficult it is. I've been there, both in legal divorce and regular old breakups. I've been through all of that. So I definitely understand. And for any of you that are in this situation right now, I feel it. I understand where you're at. I'm happy to help in any way I can, you know, understand that I'm, I'm not a licensed counselor in any way, but if I can possibly help with advice, I'm happy to do that. Reach out to me. But when you find yourself in that position, whether you're receiving the information, whether you're the one giving the information, or as is most common in my experience, both of you kind of know. There comes a point when both of you understand the relationship is over but neither one of you wants to broach the subject. Neither one of you wants to make it real by talking about it. You know, I can understand that fear of, we'll keep going just fine as long as neither one of us mentions the fact that we can't make it anymore. Once we cross that Rubicon, once we say those words, everything's going to fall apart. So we're just going to avoid talking about it. That might buy you a couple months, but eventually it's going to break down. Understanding that that's okay that that's a normal part of life. It's a normal part of relationships. It's a normal part of growing up, growing together for a ways, and sometimes growing apart. And that is absolutely okay. It really is. You don't have to become a bad person because the person you were once with is no longer the one you want to be with moving forward. That's just how it goes. Understand that on both sides. It's not worth deciding who's at fault. It's not worth deciding who's to blame. It's not worth making enemies and burning bridges and putting up walls. Do everything you can to separate amicably, to be generous and to be accommodating and to be understanding. Because on both sides, you know, if you're receiving, if you're giving the news, if you're understanding this together, it's very difficult. There really is no such thing as an easy breakup. You know, I've had some I've had some separations that were fairly painless. We both understood that it was over and that we were both okay. That is about as good as it gets because you will still carry that with you. You'll carry the what if. You'll carry the man, I really miss how we used to do this thing together. That was so much fun and I miss that. I miss that person. I miss having that thing with that person. And in hindsight, you can kind of make things more rosy. Or you can tend to look at things through a much more negative lens and all of a sudden all the good stuff that you had kind of fades away and you only remember the bad stuff. You know, I've had a fair share of both of that. I do try to remember the good things I had with somebody, you know, and there is always going to be some bittersweet memories that are involved in that. I've certainly had breakups that I wish hadn't happened. I wish that we had managed to stay together because I still feel for that person everything I felt for them back then. Those are especially hard. You know, when you're on the side that wants to make it work and you're trying as hard as you possibly can to make it work, 10 years on, you can still feel the loss of that relationship. You will still feel that 
man, I wish that had worked out. I really miss that person. I miss what we had together. However, I'm here and we often have that feeling of, you know, oh, I can't live without that person. Well, here you are living in shit. So understand that if you're going through a breakup, if you're about to go through a breakup, you can get through it. You can be happy on the other side of it. It's going to be rough. It's going to suck for a while. And 10 years later, you might still have regrets. But that is the nature of relationships. We have to take the good with the bad. We have to understand that sometimes we're in something that's amazing and it doesn't last forever. And that is okay. It's not a failure. You know, a 10-year relationship, a five-year relationship where you guys were happy together for 90% of it, that is a success. That's a very good thing. Not everybody is that fortunate that they have that in their life. So, you know, do your best to look on the bright side. And if you find yourself at the end of a relationship, do everything you can to be accommodating, sensitive, gentle, generous with your partner. Help them out. Help them help you out. And hopefully you can maintain a friendship afterwards. That's a really good outcome. I really like it when former couples are still able to hang out with each other and still laugh and have a good time and understand that it didn't work out. And that's okay. All right. Next time we're going to talk about BDSM, you know, dom-sub type relationships and when they break up. It can be quite a bit different than your normal breakup. And I want to handle that separately. So that's going to be the topic of conversation next week. If you have any questions or comments, if I talked about something today that really stuck with you or I said something that didn't quite make sense, reach out to me. You can find my information at wickedfellow.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter. You can reach out to me directly. There's a website address at my website. If you want to be a Patreon and support the show and get access to all that behind-the-scenes stuff, there's a link for that at wickedfellow.com. So, thank you very much for coming with me on this. I hope that I was able to answer some of the questions. It's a much more involved topic, you know, the whole idea of breaking up. And I'm going to be addressing different aspects of it, both on the BDSM and the poly side. So I have a lot more to say on this. I know I've gone on for quite some time already. As always, consent is king. Take very good care of each other. And I'll see you next week.